And I'm go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. And continuing our series on Is It Really So? Is it really so? Genesis chapter two and verse twenty. It says, and, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fell of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not Ashamed. Thank you, Lord, again for your word, and we ask for your blessing upon it. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, so my wife said you tread lightly, but we're just going to go two barrel from the word of God. Amen. And, uh, and I told her um, that she, 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 you're supposed to stay in here. That way you can help console everybody. You can help soften it. Sometimes like if I'm talking to someone, um, she'll, she'll talk to them and say, what my husband really meant um, was this. He, he, he's not as harsh as he sounds he is. And uh, we were just at a family's house and, and um, their wife does that too. So I guess that's normal. Wives just want to make their husbands look like big softies. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, there's some, a couple of common teachings. Um, topic today is, okay, it's a wife Always to submit to her husband. And you know, and now some people would say, you know, if you're going to preach on a topic like this, preach on on a Sunday night. But we don't have a Sunday night service, so I have no choice. We got to do it on Sunday morning. Amen. But um, a common teaching is that a wife is always supposed to submit in obedience to her husband. That God does not tell a wife to be in submission only if she agrees with him. And that there are no exceptions. And in other words, that they'll say that if the husband tells his wife to do something that is even wrong, then God will not hold her responsible. She's still supposed to obey. And, and that a wife cannot use obedience to God as an excuse to disobey her husband. After all, they'll say it's God that told the wife to submit to her husband in the first place. So that's one common teaching that that um, with no exceptions, that a wife is just to submit um, to her husband, always to obey, um, no questions asked ever. And a second common teaching would be the opposite, would be a wife is under absolute no obligation to submit to her husband, that the idea of submission is derogatory to woman. That, 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 that we're all co-equals, co which, of course, you know, we are all equal in Jesus Christ. 
but um, that a wife is not under obligation to submit. And while they say that, they try to have, make their husband submit. So they still do believe in submission in some form. They just want the submission to them. But so you have on one side, you have where they say a, a wife is always to submit no matter what. And then over here, you have where a wife is under no obligation to submit to her husband. That, that is just a matter of choice, but that, that's old fashioned. That's not for today. That um, those were maybe in Bible days, but um, that was just cultural. It was not what was meant to be eternal. And um, I read about a woman who um, went with her husband to the doctor's office. They went to the doctor, and um, the doctor was talking to him about um, his, some of his issues he, he was having with his health. And um, towards the end of the, the checkup, the um, doctor took the wife to the side and said that, um, um, okay, these are some things you need to do to um, help, your, help your husband. Um, he really needs... Um, a well-balanced diet. Um, so you need to wake up at um, 6 or 7 in the morning, make him a nice breakfast, bring it to bed if that's how he wants it, and then make sure you give him a nice, healthy lunch um, for um, him to take to work and have some fruit, have some veggies, and have a nice hamburger or something like that, help him. And, and then when he comes home from work, you know what, don't complain about your problems. Don't, don't talk about all the stress. He's just coming away from his stressful situation. And with his health, he cannot get any more stress. And make, and make sure you give him a nice dinner. And before he goes to bed, give him a nice back massage. If, if, if you don't take care of him like this, he's going to die. And so this is very serious if you want your husband to live. And um, so then they left, and um, then the husband asked his wife, goes, so honey, why did the doctor take you aside? Um, what, what did he tell you? And she said, he said, he said you're going to die. <laughs> There's laughter, because that's what the women are really thinking, what they'd prefer. Huh? <laughs> so... Let's see, okay, so there's two, two extremes. Well, what does the Bible teach? What, what, what does God's Word teach? And what's the scriptural context um, teach about the, these kinds of matters? And um, um, because there is a beauty in biblical submission. You go, oh, that's because you're a man. Of course you're going to say that. Um, well, you think, if you're a wife, or if you're planning on getting married someday, um, I got good news for you, ladies. This message is not going to put any more pressure on you. It's going to take more pressure off of you. After we strip off the world's expectations for you, after we pull away your in-laws' expectations of you, after we peel back the feminist movement's expectations for you, then we'll just have God's simple expectation, um, and that's every day to submit to your husband's leadership. How simple is that? Amen? Oh, yeah, my wife said, tread lightly. Tread lightly. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, again, verse 20 in that passage, we see that God created Eve um, for Adam. And you know what? Adam was lonely. There was no help meet for him um, and he saw every other kind. Um, they, 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 there, there was 
there was a partner, but he had no partner. And, uh, and so God created a help meet for Adam, created Eve um, um, for him. And a help meet is a person that would be a help that is suitable um, to him. And there was perfect harmony and enjoyment with one another. And the Bible says they were not ashamed. Man, they truly indeed at one time had the perfect marriage. No sin at first, the perfect marriage. But then sin came in. As we see the devil tempted Eve and, and, um, and then Eve um, gave of her husband who was with her. And sin brought the curse. Sin is what brought the struggle. You know, I think just about every woman in here would say if their husband was perfect, they'd have no problem submitting. They were the perfect man. Hey, he's perfect. It'd be easy to follow. But sin is what brings the struggle. It's what what breaks that harmony. In Genesis 3.16, it says unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now already Adam was created and Eve was created to be a help me. Okay, so the curse was not to be a help me. But what is the curse is now, one, you don't have a perfect husband. And there's a struggle there's a disharmony and that, that sin has brought damage to the relationship between husband and wife. It's the re- result that two will often compete for dominance instead of being in harmony as originally intended. Sin has turned a harmonious system of God-ordained roles into distasteful struggles of self-will. Husbands and wives need God's help. The woman's desire will be to lord over her husband, but as the Bible says, the husband will rule by divine design. Let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. My wife told me that if you're going to preach on this topic, make sure you preach to the men too on how a man's supposed to treat his wife. And I told her, I go, if I do that, then we'll be here too long. We'll be here for weeks. There's a lot that a man needs help with. Woman, it's easy. You know what? You just fall, you just submit, and your life will generally be easier. And I'm joking a little bit there. But, um, but um, we won't be dealing with the men so much today. Now, this will still be applicable in many ways. So men don't just walk up and get out. One, you want your wives or your girlfriend to be here. Amen? But... Um, but um, we'll deal with the men another day. And um, so that way we're not here all day long. And you'll understand afterwards. Amen. But Ephesians 5 verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, it's the church is subject unto Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
And then, men, when you go home, read the rest of it where it talks about husbands loving your wives. It's Christ loved the church, which is a complete, selfless, sacrificial love that Christ had. But I better stop there before I go on and on. But I'll save that for, maybe we'll save that for Father's Day. And so have you ever noticed for Mother's Day, man, we just talk about how wonderful women are, how wonderful moms are. And when it's Father's Day, we're like, come on, man, shape it up. Get right. Be a man of the house. Be a leader. Be godly. You're doing it wrong. I don't know why that's the case. But maybe that's because women are wonderful and lovely and men have their problems. That might mean. But we see here in Ephesians, the Bible is very clear that it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And now sometimes people do forget, they leave out um, the verse before it, which says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God or in the fear of the Lord. And, um, but we'll go, go there another day. But the um, Bible is clear. The Bible does teach for wives to submit to their husbands. And um, in verse um, 33, it says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. To give reverence to her husband. Now, let me be clear. You could be respectful and still disagree with each other. You could be respectful and still give your opinion. But it's no longer respect when a woman is belittling her husband, either privately or publicly. You are to respect your husband's leadership, even at times when he may blow it, when he may make mistakes, when he may make a terrible decision, when he loses his job or stumbles. And I'm not saying for you to submit to your husband because that's what the men want. They didn't say that they're going to give more in the offering if I teach on this subject. My wife more said, you know what, don't tease it or you might lose people. But we got to be faithful to preach the word of God. And she was just joking about that as well. But um, sometimes people will say, you know, so, pa- so like we're not saying this because this is what your husband wants you to hear. We're saying it's this because what God wants us to hear. And God wants us to hear about the man's relationship towards his wife too. But again, we'll do that um, another day. And um, sometimes people will get upset and be like, Pastor, you're telling me I have to submit to the moron that I marry. And that that's best for me. Well, just be thankful it wasn't an arranged marriage like in times past. You actually got to choose, most likely. Okay? But um, if you won't submit, then you will have a struggle not only with your spouse, but there will be a struggle with God. There will be a struggle with your children as well. Um, as they see, when, when they watch you rebel against God-ordained authority. And some of the people say, you know, it's just taking a passage out of context. We could go with many passages. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. You know, one thing about Jesus Christ, you know, sometimes people will say Christianity is all um, male chauvinist and all that. But Jesus was actually the great liberator of women. Man, the, the, the woman that the men were about to stone. That they probably set her up 
and they were going to stone her for adultery. And, and um, Jesus told them, he that have no sin, cast the first stone. And now Jesus didn't tell her, okay, now go ahead and continue doing what you're doing. He said, go and sin no more. But Jesus brought in equality. He set woman at liberty. It doesn't mean women don't submit. It doesn't um, mean none of us submit to the authorities God may put over us. But that in Christ Jesus, there is no male, there is no female, there is no Greek, no Jew. We're all one in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean there's not really males and females. There are. But you know, in Christ, everything is equal indeed. Submission does not mean inferior. Submission does not mean of less value. Submission does not mean incapable. It does not mean that that a man is to treat you as a doormat and then you just willingly submit and embrace that lifestyle. That's not what submission um, is. Submission is simply, you know what, following in order, following in the rank, God-ordained authorities. You know what, businesses are led typically by a CEO. It doesn't mean that that person has more value than someone that's working under them. They're both human. They're both equal. But he, a CEO is in authority, and any employees are to submit to that leadership. It doesn't mean that it's, a, it's like they're being treated as a slave. It's just, um, you think about sports teams. Um, sports teams, typically they have a coach. A coach to lead, a coach to guide them. And the players are to submit to the will of the coach. It doesn't mean that the coach is, is, um, treats them like doormats. Or um, he may be training them, teaching them to work hard. And um, I was thinking, I was talking with someone yesterday and talking about, man, what are some illustrations that we could use to kind of illustrate this? And I was thinking about sports teams. And I say, you know what, how could we get football involved somehow and stuff? And then how could we get the Seahawks involved somehow? And then she laughed. And then her husband's probably putting ear, plugs, plugging his ears right now. Amy, or he's going to mute me, huh? But um, um, I did come up with an example from football. Um, in the NFC Championship game, when the Seattle Seahawks were going against the Green Bay Packers, three minutes left in the game, and Green Bay was winning by 12 points. And then the Green Bay, Seattle did score, and Green Bay is about to get the ball, and all Green Bay has to do to win the game is hike the ball, kneel down, and take 40 seconds off the clock, then get up, do it again. Take more time off the clock, and the game is won by Green Bay. What Seattle ended up doing was doing a, what's called an onside kick, where they want to try to kick it 10 yards and, and, and then get the ball back before the other team does. Usually, onside kicks are not successful most of the time. Usually, if you're going to kick at 10 yards, the other team got the ball, and they're so much more closer. But Seattle had no option but to try that. They did the kick. The coach of Green Bay gave their players very specific instructions on what their role is. Who's supposed to try to catch the ball and who's supposed to block. 
And Bostic was called to block the other players so another player would be able to jump up and get the ball when it comes. While in the moment, that player, and he was a rookie, and um, when he saw the ball, it's just above his head, he jumped up to try to catch the ball, it bounced on their helm, off their helmet, and Seattle got the ball, and Seattle took the game and won, won, won the NFC Championship. It was simply because he did not submit to the coach. If he had blocked, Green Bay would have very easily gotten the ball back and won the game and made it to the Super Bowl. But as a player, he did not follow instructions. He did not submit, and it cost the game with that, with that play. Now, is submission mean he's inferior? No. But there's a consequence because he did not follow the instructions, and he just got released from the team last week as well. And, um, but submission does not mean inferior. It is just a role one is under. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ is equal with the Father. That He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. They form the Godhead. But 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. So the head of Christ is God the Father. That does not make Jesus inferior. He is submitting to the will of the Father, but he is equal. And just because a woman submits to her husband does not mean there is not equality. There certainly is. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 27 says, But he hath put all things under his feet. The fathers put all things under the feet of Christ. But when he say, Of all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So even in the Trinity, we see all things are under the feet of Christ. All, all worship goes to Christ. All submission goes to Christ. But except the Father. The, the, with submission, with our Jesus submits to the Father. But yet he is still equal with God the Father. Godly submission is beautiful. You know, you have it in the, in the military. You know, if the soldiers are always not following their commanders, you know, our military would be chaos. Need a, need a couple of family volunteers. <laughs> Let's see. What, what family would like to volunteer? Come on, a brave family. Come on, brave family. Family that likes to compete. Who, who, what, who likes to compete in here? I heard you like to compete, Rick. Yeah, that's why I hear. Come on, Rick. So if you guys can, you guys come on up here. Don't worry. Uh, you can hang me faster than I can hang you. Okay. 
Okay? So we'll have you grab one then, have you grab another end. And <laughs> I need one more family. One more. Robert, Mary, you guys look perfect for the job. You won't have to do any talking, I promise. <laughs> She's stronger than me, though. Uh, I understand that. <laughs> okay. All right. So you go. You come over here, and let's see. Maybe we could use some children, too. Any children want to come up here? All right. You go ahead. Come on up here. Anyone else? Good. Come on up. Any others? Any other children? Anyone over here want to come up? Okay, come on up. All right, so you two, you come grab the middle of this rope, okay? You come grab this rope. You grab this one here. And then you come help right here. You grab on this end and you grab on this end. And Rick, you go ahead and start heading in this direction over there, okay? Yes, you hold on to the rope. And you start walking in that direction slowly. Don't hurt anybody. And, Sarisa, I want you to walk to that door, okay? Okay? And so, okay, those are the parents, and these are the children. And you, you try going that way, okay? And you come this way, okay? And go ahead. Try, go ahead and pull. Try to go a direction. Okay? Okay? This just causes confusion, okay? This, this could cause chaos. If he's trying to go in that direction and the wife is going in another direction, then the kids don't know which way to go. Do I go this way or do I go this way? Now, you guys, you guys go ahead and move over here. Okay? Okay? And actually, no. You know, we're going to try something else still with you guys. Okay, you keep trying to go that way. And we're going to say your wife wants to go in the same direction you want to go in. But she wants to go her own way. So you go ahead and try it. You both go to the door, but you go that way, okay? Don't hurt anybody. Don't choke anyone. Okay? okay? It still does not work. They're trying to go the same direction, but they're wanting to go different ways. Okay? You guys go ahead and sit down. Robert? I want you to go to the door as well. And you children, you follow him. And Actually, you come right here, okay? You come right over here. You hold this rope, okay? We'll have the children hold this in, okay? And you go ahead, Robert. You head towards the door. And Mary, you head to the door with them, okay? And you kids, you go with them too, okay? See, yeah, sometimes kids still test a little bit. But, man, if, if husband and wife are going in the same direction... The children will end up going. There is nothing distasteful or like, man, that woman's inferior because she followed her husband. There's nothing like that. There's unity. There is harmony in that kind of relationship. It's not an evil or old-fashioned bad thing. You may go ahead and be seated. There's nothing bad about that. It's a wonderful thing. You know what? The world admires when they see a Christian couple that are at peace, that they're in harmony, there is joy, there is laughter. They love seeing that. But they hate the idea of submission because they have a misunderstanding of it. Okay? You know, when Robert went out there and Mary followed her husband, it wasn't him being mean like, get over here, come on! It was he went and she followed. You know what? He could stumble along the way. That's going to happen. 
And it may cause her to stumble with him a little bit, but then they get back up um, together. And so when, it, when partners are working together, there's harmony, there, 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 there is peace. Now, there's outside voices. Um, where I came before, I told Rick and Cerise, I told them to go different directions. You know what? That's like the world. They're, they're, they're continuing to try to tell them, don't submit. Come on. You're smarter than him. You're more intelligent than he is. And you may be. Most often you probably are. But it's how God designed it. But there's all these outside voices saying, don't do that. Don't submit. You know what? You look inferior. Um, you know what? You need to fight. You need to be strong. There are all these outside voices telling you that. We need to be around voices that encourage. Like, hey, you know what? Being in this church, pastors teaching submission. A very dangerous topic to teach on. But one that is very helpful if it is applied and in the biblical context. Um, of submitting um, to to the husband, um, you know, the contentious woman. Uh, um, on the other hand, it brings con- it brings contention to the home. Um, Proverbs twenty one nine says it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. I was pretty specific, man. It'd be better to be in a corner on the rooftop alone than to be in this mansion. With a brawling woman. And I just love that imagery the Bible gives. Proverbs 21.19. Uh, hey, make sure you're not elbowing your wives right now. This isn't going to help your cause. Okay? Um, Proverbs 21.19 says, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. So here it says, It's not even better to be on the rooftop of your house. It's better to be in the wilderness than to be with an angry and contentious woman. Um, one man said when he was first married that he'd come home, it was so peaceful, his little dog would come around um, barking at him, his wife would bring him his slippers, and, and then five years later, his dog brings the slippers and his wife barks. And that's where we want to try, we want to try not to have that testimony. <laughs> Proverbs 27.15 says, A continual dropping and a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Continual dropping and a rainy day. Continual dropping. Drip, 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 Contentious woman in a rainy day are alike. They're annoying. They're not pleasant to be around. And see, the Bible wants to help us. And again, you know what? There'll be a message. It'll be aimed at the men. Uh, okay, so you just got to keep coming here. Okay, if you're deciding, like, Lord, I don't know if this is a church I, I, want, I need to come to, you know, at least wait till we preach to the men. Keep coming till then, okay? And um, um, Titus 2.3. Go ahead and turn to Titus. Titus. 
Titus 2, 3 says, The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior, is become of holiness, not false accusers, not giving you much wine, teasers of good things, that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be district, chase keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Here again, we see obedience to the husband, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That there wouldn't be this hypocrisy of coming across as a spiritual woman that, but that's always nagging her husband or always trying to belittle him publicly or embarrass him or, or doesn't want to follow um, his leadership. The Bible says to teach the younger woman. To obey their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And sometimes people have the question, what if my husband is not a godly man? What if he's not saved? What, 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 what about if he's not in church? Oh, turn to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And it says, Likewise, ye wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands. It's all over the Bible. You you, you just can't miss it. But uh, if any obey not the word, they also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy woman also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjections unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. And again, husbands, you could read the rest at home and read your part, and I'll preach on that part later. But here we see that a man that's not in the Lord, but a woman is saved. And it talks about how your subjection, your submission to him can win him. It could win him to Christ by having that meek, that quiet spirit, that, 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 that godly spirit, and being willing to be su- submitting um, to the husband. Bible talks about um, that you do well, and if you're not afraid with any amazement, but we see, and we see that there's trust in God involved. Because again, your husband's not perfect; he's going to make mistakes, and sometimes you're following him in that. But that's where you're putting your trust in God and praying for your husband, and that could turn your husband's heart around. So then it goes back to the question, is a wife to submit 100% of the time, no matter what? Turn to Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 1. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. 
For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists of the power, resists of the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. So here we see God commands Christians to be in subjection to the government, to be in obedience to the government. And we should be good citizens and maintain a godly Christian testimony. We see even Jesus when um, he said that he was under no obligation to pay the temple tax, but he paid it anyways to maintain a, a right testimony that it wasn't worth winning every single battle. But, and, and we see here, God says those who resist the government will be punished. Notice it's very much more severe. I, when you read about wives submitting to their husbands, you don't see the consequences of disobeying being this strong. Well, you know what? No one typically would say we obey the government at all costs, that we submit no matter what. Does the Bible teach submission to the government? Yes, it does. But taking the whole in context, God commends those who disobey government at times in order to obey him. The same apostle who wrote here, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, went to jail for not obeying the government. Is he being hypocritical? No, not at all. But um, um, obedience is not always absolute, although some form of submission typically is. We must all obey the law or submit to the penalty. Paul disobeyed the law and suffered the penalty for continuing to preach. Paul didn't resist arrest. He also never struck back at the guards. Paul used the opportunity to be humble and to witness to the guards. You think about Daniel. When they were offering um, him meat um, that was considered defiled and two idols. And, and um, Daniel requested with respect that he would not have to partake in that meat and of that wine, but would have another diet he would follow. He was seeking to obey but he and had respect and asked if he would not defile himself with that meat. And they honored that request and he ended up becoming great and mighty um, for the king. But then later, they ended up, the, the different presidents consulted against him and had the king order a decree that no one would pray to any god except for himself. Now, Daniel, what did he do? He continued to pray as he did aforetime. Continue to pray in the morning, at noon, and pray at night. Daniel obeyed God rather than the government in that case. 
And, da- and Daniel suffered the temporary consequences of being thrown in the lion's den. But then God delivered him out of it. In Exodus 1, Pharaoh commanded the Hebrew midwives to kill all male babies that were born. The midwives found a way to allow them to be born and did not kill them. They feared God over instead of man. And so they did not kill the midwives. And the Bible says God blessed them for disobeying the government leader's order. God, um, the apostles were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus. And Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So over and over, the Bible teaches obeying the government, but also teaches obey God rather than man, if there is a conflict. The Bible teaches church members to obey their pastors. Hebrews 13, 17, obey them to have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, a state that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. However, suppose your pastor told you one day, said, you know what, for the month of March, don't pay any of your bills. Don't pay your house payment. Don't pay your bills. We're going to take a big offering for the church and give unto the Lord. Are we supposed to submit to that? No, because that's in direct contradiction to the Word of God. To owe no man anything. To, to pay our debts. To pay, to pay what we owe. So the submission is only required there as long as it is um, not going to be something wrong. As long as it's following the Lord. Now again, with a wife submitting to her husband, there may be a husband that's not following the Lord. You're still supposed to submit in that case unless he's telling you to do something that's wrong. If he's telling you to do something immoral, if he's telling you to do something that goes against the Bible, that's where um, submission ends. But a wife could still seek how she could obey and submit in every other area that she possibly um, can, except for in those areas. Um, And we have examples in the Bible that show this. Nabal's wife, in 1 Samuel 25, in verse 3, it says, Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. This was an example that um, David had helped the man, and he did not not, um, kill them when they could in this battle and in this war. And, 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 and David um, ended up requesting that king's help um, and stuff. They, they, David didn't take their sheep. They didn't take their goods that a soldier commonly would if they overtook a city. But he asked the king, um, the other king, for some help. And the king was evil, and the king refused to be a help to David and his men. And his wife found out about it, and she went and ordered, without him knowing, to take care of the men, to take care of them. He, she had, had, had the people prepare a meal for him. And she met with David and asked for his forgiveness and that, she, that he would spare her husband. And, and she said, that, yes, my husband is of Belial, that, that he is the evil, he is the wicked man, but please, please spare him and let God um, work it all out. 
So that's not what her husband wanted her to do. Her husband did not want her to go and take care of the men. She was defiant towards his evil request um, of, of having them um, not being not helped. But we see God ends up commending her, and that, and we see that she um, go, write that verse First Samuel twenty five. You could read that later, and read First Samuel twenty five, and you see that God honored her, blessed her for not following with what her husband wanted to do. We see in Achan, in Joshua chapter 7, we see Achan, or God told Israel not to take of the spoils, not to take of the goods, but Achan disobeyed, and he took of them, and he hid them in, their, in the tent. And what ends up happening? They end up being stoned and burned, him, his wife, and children. His children could have been older. They could have been We don't know. But she was not spared simply because it was his action. They were in the tent. She knew they were in there. And so in a way, she ended up being a co-conspirator with it. Maybe she followed, she submitted to her husband. But that umbrella of protection that people will often say there is, and there is some of protection for, like, mistakes. But to be doing something wrong um, intentionally, there is not that. She and the children paid the price for his sin as well. Another example, you have um, Ananias and Sapphira, where they lied. They, 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 they said that they were selling their property and that, they, and that they're giving all the funds to this charity to go to this help. They didn't have to do that. The problem wasn't that they were forced to do that. They were doing it after free will, but they lied about it. They said, we gave all. And maybe she was trying to be a good godly wife. I'm supposed to submit to my husband. And he lied, and then she lied, and they both paid the price. The outcome could have been different if she was like, no, honey. You know what? I will submit to you as you're following God, as you're doing right, or as long as you're not telling me to do anything wrong. But the moment you tell me to do something immoral, unethical, something that's wrong, something that goes against my conscience of what the Word of God teaches, I cannot follow you in that. Her life maybe would have still been spared because she wouldn't have been a part of that. So submission is not an absolute. We don't obey, submit to the government no matter what. We um, don't obey to an employer no matter what if they're telling us to do something evil or wrong. And a wife is under no obligation to submit to her husband under all conditions, under all costs. Now, a wife is to seek the areas that she can submit in. If you're married to a man that's unsaved, you know what? You find the areas you're able to submit in, every area that, that, that you're able. And not just, this doesn't mean only areas you agree in. That wouldn't be submission if it was, oh, every time I, we agree. But that... Um, the summary, all human authority is limited by God's authority. A wife seeks how she should please both God and her husband. And a wife typically who follows her husband in all areas possible, most likely won't be asked to go against her conscience serving her God. Sometimes it does happen. A wife must never disobey God in order to obey her husband. Submission is taught in the Bible. But it doesn't mean you submit to a tyrant. It doesn't mean you submit to a, 
um, that you're obeying a man that's hitting you, abusing you. If that's happening, you need to get help. You, you need to get it known. That is not right for a man to treat a woman like that. Okay, this is submission is not treating a woman like a doormat. But again, the message for men, they'll come later. Sorry again late. But we see also that submission was a picture of Christ and the church in Ephesians. That the church, that we as Christians are to be subject to Christ. And now Christ is superior to us. He's perfect. He's without sin. And um, we are to submit to him. And when a husband and wife, when a husband's loving his wife as Christ loved the church, it makes the mission so much easier for a woman when he's truly loving his wife, taking care of her, taking care of her needs, everything. So much easier for a woman to follow a man in that kind of situation. As the church is to be subject to Christ. Christ doesn't need to be subject to us. Christ doesn't say, okay, church, what do you, what do you want me to do now? Well, wait. No, where is the church to be subject to Christ? And, you know, there's a day that every single one of us are going to meet God, the judgment, whether the great white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be a day we face God. You know why people want to be atheists? It's not typically because they don't completely disbelieve in God. It's they don't want to be accountable to God. They don't want to follow under His authority. They don't want to have to submit to Him. They want to live their life how they want. They want their freedom when really they're just getting in bondage of their sin, when there's true freedom in Jesus Christ. But we are all going to give an account one day with what have we done with Christ. Christ came. He died for us to, to make the way of salvation for us. Willingly. And we're going to be judged based what did we do with Christ. Go ahead and turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 45. Was, yeah, Isaiah 45, verse 21. Norma, if you go ahead and just go ahead and get ready to be at the organ. Um, not playing it yet, but just be, be ready. Isaiah 45. In verse 21. It says, Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who have declared this from ancient time, who have told it from that time. Have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. No other God, there is no other way to salvation. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth, in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Sure, we shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. 
And the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Here it says that in the Lord we are able to have righteousness. No, of our own, we have no righteousness. We may do good deeds, but every single one of us is guilty of sin. We have all sinned. We have all come short of the glory of God. And it is only in the Lord we are able to have righteousness. Turn, turn to um, um, Philippians chapter 4 in the New Testament. Philippians 4 and verse 9. Chapter Let's see. Okay, in ver- chapter two. Chapter two in verse nine. This is a quote from Isaiah. It says, Wherefore God also have highly exalted him, talking about Christ, and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That the one God is Jesus Christ. And that we're all going to be given an account to Him. Did we subject ourselves to Him under His authority, His way of salvation? He lets you make the choice. He doesn't force you to obey or submit um, to Him in this life. But if we don't obey, obey the gospel now, then we will submit to the penalty later separation from God for all eternity. But Jesus made a way for salvation. And it's only through Jesus Christ. He loves us. He loved the church. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should have everlasting life. You know, the main reason wives don't like submitting to their husbands same reason men don't like submitting to the government, men don't like submitting to their employer. People naturally hate authority. We know that God is our authority. And we will give an account to Him. The question is, are you going to submit to His Lordship? Are you going to submit to Him? In one, in obeying the gospel, believing on the Son, Jesus Christ, receiving Him as His Savior. And then as a Christian... You're saved, living for Him, obeying Him, following His Word, and growing in grace, growing in the Lord. The choice is yours to submit or not. Just like it's a choice for a wife to submit to her husband or not. She can choose to be in disobedience to God or not. God's given us free will. But oh, the harmony, the peace when we submit to Christ, when we submit our will to His, and the peace. When a family is in unity, 
and serving together. It doesn't work well when there's two heads going different directions. But when we're going one direction, it's a blessing and it's beautiful to see. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and stand for the time of invitation as Norma played the organ. I don't know how God maybe is working on your heart. You know, maybe there's some of you that don't know Christ. Life to know Him as your Savior. You can make your way forward and I'll take you to another room and we'll show you from the Word of God how you can have eternal life. Wives, maybe, maybe, maybe you've been having a problem with submission. Maybe that's an area to work on to grow in. And man, how much more your marriage will be Amen. So much easier for a woman to submit when you're following Christ. When, when, when you're loving her as Christ loved the church. When she is your all, she truly is your bride. The Bible talks about honoring her as the weaker vessel. Oh, the feminists hate that term too. So, you know, we're not weaker. That's not what the Bible says. It tells husbands to honor their wife as the honor is to care. You know, holy china plates. Or don't use them at all. Day. Both dishes. But a woman that loves her china plates or fine dining plates, she treats them as a weaker vessel. It's not necessarily weaker, but it's how it's honored. And men, if you honor your wives as a weaker vessel, Typically, that woman's going to want to follow you. And you guys go serve the Lord together. Be on the same page. Have vision. Men, earning your wife's trust also is a help. Keep making the same mistake over and over and over. Who could blame her for having a hard time falling? Yes, she's still supposed to, but men, make it easier for your wives. Don't treat her like a doormat. I don't think anybody in here does. Cherish your wife. Wives, be on the same page with your husband. Follow the Lord. Seek God. If you have a husband not serving the Lord, be faithful to the Lord first. But seek every way you can to submit. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, I hope that, um, that your word... I know you've promised that your word would accomplish what it will. I pray, Lord, that people's hearts didn't harden toward the message. But they're able to receive it, as difficult as it may be, and apply it in their life. And see their marriage to grow and bear much fruit. And to be a testimony of how Christ loved the church and the church subjects herself to the Lord. May we, our families be a living testimony. Lord, maybe some of us in here that aren't married at all don't have a husband. Um, widows, and you say that you're their husband. And, so, and may they be in subjection to you, Lord, just as we all would be. And may we all, regardless whether we're man or woman, be in subjection to what authorities are above us, but to remember to still put you first above all things. In Jesus' name.
Amen. God bless you. Shake hands, fellowship. Be friendly. This Wednesday will be Q&A. You can shoot all your questions about today's message if you want.